Well, good morning, everybody. Wasn't that lovely? Wasn't that so good? You know, in the prayer room this morning, I I just prayed that uh, our worship would be like the voice of angels. And I really felt that this morning as we worshipped that, you know, it's just like a heavenly choir. And it was so, so good. I love this place. I love you all. Amazing place. I'm going to be reading from uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. And uh, this is a, a passage which is often read at this time of the year, in uh, uh, this time of the year. So, Isaiah 9, 2 to 7, it'll be on the screen. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nations and increased its joy. They rejoice before you. You, according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. As in the day of Midian, for every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amazing, amazing passage. And as I said, this is a well-known text from the book of Isaiah that is said at most churches uh, during Advent because it foretells the coming of a saviour, Jesus. Jesus who was to have a great impact on the world in such a short life, over 2,000 years later, his name is still on many people's lips And his power and authority is evident in so many people's lives today. This is a remarkable prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. A prophecy that was so accurate, but it took 700 years for it to come to pass. Could you imagine that, you giving a prophecy and it doesn't happen for 700 years? At the time Isaiah prophesied, Israel had turned a deaf ear to the Lord. Instead of turning to him, they had turned their backs on God and gone their own way and done their own thing. For Isaiah, these must have been tough times. But you know something? God never leaves us without hope and a future that is always brighter than what we might be experiencing. God gave this prophecy to Isaiah to give him and those who remain true to God hope 
that he was on the case and he was going to send someone who would change the world forever. And today he continues to give us hope, even though many in the world appear to have abandoned and believe in him and his son Jesus. He still gives us hope. He continues to reveal to us what is to come to ordinary people like you and I. We do not have to be a prophet to experience God speaking to us. We just need to spend time with him and give him space to talk with us. And you know something? He will. My talk this morning is titled The Promise of Salvation. And it's the greatest message we can give to an unbelieving world because it is literally the difference between life and death. I believe in this church this morning there may be someone or more than one person here that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus or those whose faith has faltered through life's burdens or gone cold. If that resonates, then I humbly hope this message will speak to you today. You know, I attended this church for quite a few years before I came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a number of times I heard the sermon and the gospel, and the message really had an effect on me, and I should have given my life to Jesus then, when I certainly wanted to. But you know, pride got in the way, and the fear of what others would think. Because in church... I behaved as if I was a believer. And probably the church thought I was a believer as well. But I was living a lie. However, God, in his amazing mercy, came and rescued me one night in this very church, in that pew, pew number three. I'm not going to give my testimony on how it happened because I've shared it many times here. But if anyone wants to know, see me afterwards and I'll happily share my experience that I will never, ever forget as long as I live. Suffice to say, I had what I can only describe as a Damascus Road experience. Amazingly, the following morning, I began to have doubts What I experienced last last night, was that real? Was that, or was that just my imagination playing tricks with me? And could Jesus really love someone like me who had so many issues and not living a godly life? Well, the answer is a resounding yes, he can. And he really wanted to. Jesus came into the world for sinners like you and I. He didn't come to the earth for those who wrongly believe themselves to be perfect and not in need of a saviour. At that time, my job was such that I had appointments with people in their homes. And on the very first house I visited that morning, I noticed a picture over the fireplace with with the words, today is the first day of the rest of your life. And I knew instantly that what I experienced the previous night was real and I was accepted into God's family. You know, that message could be for someone in this church this morning. This day could be the first day of the rest of your life. 
Please do not be like me. Do not let pride or what others might think get in the way of you making that commitment to the Lord Jesus. You will never, ever forget it. My life has never been the same since that night. And I will never want to go back to the way I was before Jesus came into my life. In John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. That is a promise from God that you can rely on. God makes an offer of salvation to every person that will admit that they are sinners and accept Jesus as the son of God into their lives. But each person has a choice. We can accept the way that leads to eternal life or continue on the path to destruction. It's our decision. Jesus talks about this in the Bible. He says there are two roads. He talks about the first being wide. Think of it like this. Think of it like a six-lane motorway going in one direction. It is the road of unbelief. There are millions and millions of people on this road. People traveling fast to their destination. Some a little slower and even some may be stopped on the hard shoulder. But everyone, everyone who continues along this road comes to a point where there is no more road and they fall into a bottomless pit down and down to destruction. The other road, however, is very narrow. It's like a green lane, if you like, that we have in Jersey. And just like the motorway, it travels in one direction only, but directly in the opposite direction to the wide road. Unfortunately, there are not so many people on this road, but this road is the way to life. If we stay on, the, on this one to its final destination, it leads to life for all eternity. This is the road that we all need to be on. Now, there's only one way to get on this road, and that is through Jesus. Jesus is the gatekeeper. There is no backdoor access. There is no other way to salvation than through Jesus. Something else that is important to understand. We must receive salvation here on earth, this side of heaven. We cannot miss it here and expect to have a second chance in the next life. The Bible does not promise a second chance of salvation beyond the grave. Now I know from experience, our world has a pull on us. It tempts us to follow its ways and lures us into things that we shouldn't be getting involved in. It thinks it has freedom to do as it pleases and that will lead to happiness and contentment, but it doesn't. We hear of so many people who appear to have everything that they could possibly want. Money, possessions, successful businesses, a happy marriage and kids. Yet they still feel an emptiness deep inside of them. People are searching for happiness, but so often looking in the wrong place or in the wrong things. I believe that true contentment and happiness can only come through the person of Jesus. 
When we put our trust in him and allow him access to our lives, he changes our perspective on everything and what is important and what is not. Our striving ceases. The love of money and possessions decreases as we realize there is so much more to life than material things. Now those that are anti-Christian would say that we use our faith as a crutch, that we are weak, incapable of dealing with life's pressures and desperately clinging on to the belief that when we die, that is not the end. But the opposite is true. We as believers are strong, not because we depend on ourselves, but we depend on a saviour, Jesus, who came down to earth to show us the way and to life in all its fullness. Christianity provides what atheism and other religions never can, spiritual fulfilment, peace, and forgiveness. There are even those that would say that Being a Christian is boring. And Christians are boring people. Well, this is not true in my experience and is not true at all. Certainly, I don't believe it is true in my own life. Since becoming a Christian, I have never felt more alive and more in tune with the way God would have his world. Most of my friends are Christian. And I love nothing more than going out and having a fun evening with them. God himself gave us the ability to have fun, laughter, and joy. And you know, although it's not mentioned in the Bible, I often think that Jesus, together with 12 other men, his disciples, would have joked, pulled each other's legs, laughed a lot, and enjoyed each other's company as they went from village to village. I cannot believe for one moment they traveled in silence with their hands like this and their heads in the air just walking to the next village I can't believe it they're not monks today my life is exciting because God speaks to me through his word his still small voice and through pictures and dreams I am in awe that God would take the time and trouble to communicate with me but he does He reveals things to me about myself. Sometimes it's about something he wants me to deal with in my own life. And other times it's words of encouragement. And the most exciting times of all is when he reveals something to me of what is to come. He knows what is on every person's heart. And he knows what is on my heart. My passion is to see everyone come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. My life has been so transformed since Jesus became my saviour and my friend that I want everyone, everyone to experience the same feeling of belonging, the same feeling of sonship that I feel. My passion is to see revival, particularly in this island home of ours. God knows my heart and just like Isaiah in our Bible reading, he gives me hope and shows me what is to come. Now, those who are regular church members in this church know that we have put an application to planning to build a new centre on our site. This vision was given to me and other people in this church over 20 years ago, before even Phil and Heather were here. There are times, many times, I have to admit, when I believe that it would never happen. 
but you know it has always been close to my heart. And I know that this building now will be built and its purpose that God has ordained will come to fruition. If we look in human terms, the cost of this building is immense. A congregation of our size couldn't possibly afford it. But you know, if it's God's will, and I believe it is, then it's God's bill. And I have no doubt whatsoever that the necessary funds will come in, whatever the cost. You also know that we have had donated to us a large slice of the field opposite the church. Again, this has taken many years to be in the position we are in today. I always felt, along with others, that the field was a key component in what God wanted to achieve with us as a church. But as we approached the owners, and particularly the person who was acting for the owners, it was made clear to us that he would never authorize the sale of the field to the church. It would have been easy to give up hope, but there was something inside that kept us believing. And here we are today, we're part of a field that has not cost us one single penny, a free gift. That, my friend, is God at work. Now, there may be some in this congregation who feel that the field is just for extra car parking space. You know, I have never believed this for one moment. I never believed that God would give us a field just to leave, lose, uh, use as a car park. And as I said earlier, God knows my heart. And just lately, he has revealed something to me about this field in a dream that I want to share with you all. Now, it says in the Bible, young men will have visions and old men will have dreams. Well, God obviously thinks I'm an old man because it's a dream. <laughs> But you know, all seriousness, this dream that I've had, I've just hadn't had it once, I've had it twice. And it's been exactly the same every single time. So this is my dream. I'm taken above the field and I see the field from above. I can see the whole field as it is, our part of the field. And in the corner of my eye, I see a man coming from that door back door there with a box and he goes to the very center of the field and he gets on the box and he preaches repentance, forgiveness of sins, he preaches uh, salvation, he preaches Jesus but nobody comes and he preaches with great authority, he preaches with great passion but he preaches, he goes back and the next week he comes out again and does exactly the same thing. Preaches the same message, it doesn't change. Nobody comes. But on the third week, three or four people come into the field. I think they just come in as just to look. I don't think they've come in particularly because he's preaching, but whatever it is, something makes them stay. And then the next week, preacher comes out again it's always at the same time he gets on his box and he preaches the same word and the word keeps preaching about faith and and, and repentance and and salvation keeps preaching that and these people have brought other people now and they are beginning to 
get in, interested in what's going on. And the, as the weeks go on, there are more and more people coming. And then I'm seeing people falling down. I'm seeing people on their knees. I'm seeing people flat on the floor. And I know what's happening. I know that people are giving their life to the Lord. And I'm getting excited. I'm saying, preacher, preach it, preach it, preach it. And he preaches it. And as the weeks go on, this message keeps going. He keeps coming, same time, every day, same time, on the box. And he preaches the same thing. And now we're getting to 100, 200 people. And it's just amazing. I can see more and more people coming down on their hands and knees. But also now I'm seeing people at the back of the field. They're beginning to praise God. They're beginning to jump and shout. And I see one woman running around the field like a mad woman. But she just keeps going. And I'm getting really, really excited. And he just never, ever, the preacher never, ever comes back on the field. He never, ever comes and speaks to any of the people. As soon as he's spoken and done his bit, he goes into the church. He never, ever speaks to anybody on the field. But as it goes on, this field is getting more and more full. And he never, ever speaks to anybody. But then I can see that God is at work on this field because I see people come on the field and they've only walked 10 places and they just fall down. Nobody's touched them. Nobody said anything to them because now you cannot, hear the, you cannot hear the preacher because there is so much wailing and weeping and hollering with joy in the other end of the field. You cannot hear a single word the preacher is saying because he's not mic'd up. But now people are just falling down, falling down, and people are laughing and going mad at the back of the field. And then in my last part of the dream, the field is absolutely crammed full of people. I cannot even see the grass any longer. There are so many people. All I can see is heads of people, and there's no, t- no space anymore for people to to lie down or to fall down or to do anything but it's just like a wave they're just waving to and forwards to and forward and they're still wailing they're still weeping and they're still singing I can still see the preacher because he's on a box so he's higher than anybody else but he never ever speaks to anybody he just comes preaches his word and he comes back and it's the same word every week my dream finishes You know, in between the the sense of God speaking to me about the building and this dream that I've had about the field, I had one other, it wasn't a dream, it was sort of a, while I was in prayer one day, this is going back quite a while, a few years now, and just... God gave me this picture and again I was above the island I saw it like it was a map and then I saw a huge wave coming from the east and this wave just swept over the island and absolutely submerged it and for ages it seemed to be underwater and then gradually the wave pulled apart and then the island came up and it shone as if it had jewels on it it just shone and was lit up like it was well just bejeweled everywhere 
And you know, I believe that those three things, the, the hall, the field, and that dream I've had, they're all related. It's all about, it's all about revival. I want to share, oh, it's gone. Yeah, it's here. I want to share something very briefly with you. You know, I said that I am passionate about revival and such like, and somebody a long time ago gave me this. And it's about a revival that happened in 1825. And if you work it out, that's virtually 200 years ago. So it's about time we had a revival again. But when I, I'm just going to read the short passage to you, but it, it has similarities to what I saw on the field. This is what it says. In 1825, broke out one of those remarkable revivals which from time to time, like the day of Pentecost of old, have replenished the churches. In August, September and October 1825, says D. Robin, the grace of God was poured out with such power that I had never seen anything like the way in which our humble prayers were answered. In many cases, the word was like the hammer that breaks the stone. Hearts were touched and melted like wax before a fire. The voice of those who wept was such that it covered the preacher's voice. Then hearing being impossible, we used to stop and all prayed for the distressed souls. Oft times we dismissed a congregation two, three or four times but people under conviction of sin could not leave. So we were obliged to resume the meeting. When we visited from house to house, it was wonderful to hear those who wept over their sins or rejoiced in the Lord. And it was not a rare occurrence to see in the fields or along the hedges some weeping and others singing and glorifying God for his great deliverance. There's a lot more to it, but that's just one part. You know, that happened 200 years ago. And a lot of the churches we have, in because it was a Methodist revival, those churches are now being turned into homes and such like because people have turned away from God. They're no longer following him. So irrespective of how we view the world today, God is in control and he will have his way. Christianity worldwide is growing. But you might have seen on the news recently that the last census in Britain showed that the amount of people professing to be Christian has declined considerably since the census before. And now less than half the population will now say they are a believer. In other words, Britain is now is not a Christian country. And as I read this, and as I heard it on the news, something inside me welled up. And I thought to myself, this decline is not going to continue. And by the next census, we are going once again to be a Christian nation. And this island is going to be Christian once again. You know, Jesus said the fields are ready for harvest. And I believe that is so true for us today. We have the opportunity to make a difference in our own community where so many people are struggling and seeking what life is about. 
Maybe you are seeking the meaning of life yourself this morning. The hope, blessings, love and sense of belonging that I and many others experience as Christians can be your experience also if you accept the Lord Jesus into your life. Jesus may be knocking at the door of your heart as I speak. There's a wonderful painting by William Holman Hunt that depicts Jesus standing and knocking at a door. The picture is taken from the text in Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with them, that person, and they with me. The picture is full of symbolism and depicts Jesus knocking on a door that obviously has not been opened in a very, very long time because there are brambles and weeds growing up the outside. Also, there is no handle on the side Jesus is on. Only the person on the inside can open the door. Jesus also has in his hand a lantern depicting that he is the light of the world. It says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Perhaps Jesus is knocking at your door this morning. Will you let him in? Jesus will not come in uninvited. It is up to you to let him in. It is your choice. But I can guarantee if you open the door to your heart and let Jesus in, you will never, ever be the same again. You will have a friend, a companion, who will walk with you through life, through the good times and the not-so-good times. God doesn't promise us that everything's going to be rosy. He will reveal things to you that you never felt were possible. And I know with certainty, if you give yourself wholeheartedly to Jesus, life will never be boring, but exciting. He will enrich your life beyond measure. Amen. Can I ask you to stand? Group like to come up. Can you pray something, uh, Lawrence? Yeah, I'm just going to pray for us. I mean... I don't know where you all are. I don't know what's going on in your lives. But God does. And you know, God is the most amazing person you could ever wish to meet. He blesses us beyond measure. Whatever we are going through in life, whatever are our problems, He is there. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will walk with you every step of the way.
believer will know that their lives have been transformed by the precious blood of Jesus. That Jesus, he came down to earth to show us the way. And he died that cruel, cruel death on the cross for each one of us so that each one of us could have the opportunity of eternal life. like mine thumped when I should have given my life to the Lord but I didn't because of pride if that is you please please this morning don't let it pass speak to Phil speak to me or or speak to Tim